What up? This is Alternate Take. I am your host, Danny Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show. On this episode, we step back into the octagon, and we did it with UFC Bantamweight, Victor La Mongosta Henry. Now, we had to bring this guy on, man, because he made his UFC debut at UFC 270, which we were in attendance at. That's where Francis Ngannou beat Cyril Gain. Uh, shout out Eric Nixick and all of Extreme Couture MMA. But uh, we were there at that fight, me and producer JB, and we saw how good Victor Henry looked in his UFC debut. And we had to bring him on, man, because he's in a stacked Bantamweight division, and he is a problem for that whole division now. He's 34 years old, I believe, 34 years old. And as we mentioned in the interview, he has like a, a short shelf life, and he knows it, and the UFC knows it, and he's at the top of his game, and everyone in that division is definitely very nervous. So we had to interview him and get his perspective on things. He's been around for a long time. He's training under Josh Barnett. And, uh, dude, it was a hell of an interview, man. So without further ado, I bring to you UFC Bantamweight, Victor La Mongosta, Henry. Alternate take, man. What's up? We are back. We brought you guys the UFC Bantamweight himself, Victor La Mongosta, Henry. How you doing, sir? Chilling, man. Just got done training. Uh, rested a little bit, ate, and uh, gonna fix the train again tonight. Good man, good. Well, dude, I, I wanted to talk about that man for sure. Um, like I said, I was at your uh, UFC 275 man, and that was uh, exciting to say the least, man. It was a great, great event, and it was your uh, UFC debut. But for a lot of us UFC fans, it was the first time seeing you, but the MMA world has seen you a lot, man. So let's talk about the beginning of your uh, MMA journey, brother. Yeah, man. So I started um, I started in Taekwondo when I was about 14 years old. Uh, the reason was because uh, I hated basketball. You know, my mom wanted, wanted wanted to put me in something. And all there was around was my high school basketball team. I, mean, I, I went to a very small high school, so that's all they could afford. And um, I wasn't about that. So joined Taekwondo. So I saw somebody get kicked in the head, and I was like, well, that's for me. And uh, started training there. After I hit 18, Started doing jujitsu. Uh, eventually, I got my blue belt, and I was at the Gracie Academy, and they wanted to start charging me a month-to-month pr- uh, pricing because I couldn't do a year commitment only because I was going to school at the time. I, I had a job. I didn't know how my schedule was going to change, you know. So they wanted to charge me some outrageous over two hundred dollars a month back in two thousand six, you know. So <laughs> I joined the Legends MMA around that time and you know they had what was it a program was like 115 dollars a month and you could do as many classes as you want it was morning muay thai jiu-jitsu in the afternoon when 10 planet was still relatively young you know all the um all these 10 planet portland 10 planet this 10 planet that that wasn't around they were all still training all those black belts were still training over at uh over at 10 planet over in um over in hollywood well, eventually that led me to following my first coach, Jimmy Romero. They had kind of, he kind of had a falling out with, um, with the gym owner. So I followed him and through Jimmy Romero, I met Josh. And then when Jimmy stopped teaching, I started training with Josh. And here we are over 10 years later, you know, doing the same thing. I love it, man. It's a, it's a great backstory, man. I, I looked up a lot of stuff on you, man, before we started, like all the YouTube videos and, uh, I saw that Southgate was a big part of your, your fight career, man, and where you're from, dude. Tell me a little bit about your hometown and whatnot. Yeah, well, Southgate's a, I mean, it's a, it's a, I wouldn't say it's a small town, but, you know, I mean, their claim to fame was uh, 
Amelia Earhart learned how to fly there. <laughs> and look what happened then. <laughs> you know, look what happened. You know, um, you know, Southgate borders towns like uh, Compton, Watts, Linwood, Downey on the other end. But, you know, so it's it's kind of between a lot of things. Huntington Park, you know, so it's mainly a Mexican community. Um, when uh, when I was growing up there in the early 90s, it was during the 90s riots. So that was a lot. There was a lot going down. And then right after the 90s riots, you know, it was the. Uh, I wouldn't say the hip hop era, but that was during the, the the Tupac and Biggie feud, and of course, you know, being on being on a border town with uh, with Compton, right, and right there, you know, where I lived, there was a lot of gang violence, you know, Mexicans versus you know versus black folks, and you know this gang versus that gang, and everybody was just coming to Southgate, so that was uh, gang violence was a real big part of it. Um, of course, being the only white guy around. I got I got picked on a lot for having long hair. My mom didn't let me control my haircut until I was 16 years old. <laughs> you know, so everything was approved by her first. But generally speaking, my youth in my youth, I had long hair all the time, which I really wanted to cut it short. And now that I'm older, here I am again having long hair. <laughs> you know, but you know, I got bullied a lot. But you know, being a kid, you know, that's those are part of your that's part of your. Uh, those are part of the, the bumps and bruises that you got to get as a kid. You know, you can't, I mean, you're either the, you're the, you're the bully now or you're the bully before. Um, a lot, I think a lot of people that grow, when they grow up with being bullied, they, uh, they think they have to, um, they have to bully other people or they have to uh, grow up with resentment. You know, I ended up being friends with a lot of my bullies, you know, only because I was like, yeah, it is what it is, whatever. Like, I don't care. I'm doing my, I'm doing something else. You know, and here's the thing. A lot of those bullies, they grew up to be, you know, either gang members themselves and found themselves in jail or they got out of it because they figured, hey, I'm an adult. I didn't have to be an asshole. So finally got the hell out of Southgate. I tell you that much. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man. It's uh, refreshing to see someone with your mindset about it all, man, because uh, I don't see a lot of that nowadays as much as I'd like, you know, especially with like. Yeah. Modern times, whatnot. I know I grew up in a nice little, nice little neighborhood in Whittier, but my folks made me play uh, baseball in Pico Rivera because, in, the, in their mind, in East LA too, and in their mind, it was like, you know, these kids are fucking, you know, they're different, man, and you need to be around this, you know. And to them, you're rich, you know, and yeah. and um, they will fuck with you and they will mess with you, man, and and you need to learn how to get beat up and you learn to you need to learn how to fight back and you got to see some crazy shit because you're not gonna see it on your block and. It was nice, man. Like it's refreshing to have that. It was nice to to be a part of it, dude. Like I still have friends from the from the neighborhood from then. Like, you know, that I haven't seen since I was 13, but we see each other now. You know, big hug. Yeah. But you know, same little problems, not as much as Southgate, but you know, same little issues. Yeah. Rivera, they have they have their own little things going on. But uh that's great, man. Um, once you started fighting, at what age was that, man? What do you when when was it when you finally started actually like really getting into it? Well, you know, I think I was 18 or 19, maybe even 20. Wow. No, I think I was 18 or 19. And my coach at the time was like, yo, you're here at the gym all the time anyways. Why don't you try having a fight? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure. And it was just a, it was a Muay Thai smoker. So it was shin guards, big old gloves and headgear. And I was like, all right, here we go. When I did this first Muay Thai smoker and I won by TKO, like in the first round, I kicked the guy in the head a couple of times. He's like, nah, no more of that. <laughs> and then, um, so after that, I had two more of those amateur fights and each amateur fight, 
they um well each amateur kickboxing fight they uh they got increasingly harder of course the people that i started fighting were training longer they were they were trading harder so i was like man this this is a bitch i gotta i gotta decide what i'm gonna do here you know like i'm going to school i'm doing all this but i gotta decide what i want to do with my life because i can't half-ass two things i got a whole ass one so i dropped the school thing i figure hey as long as i stay responsible i don't get a bunch of kids i can always do it, go back to school but i can't go back to fighting you know fighting will be there but my body and my my physical self is going to age and deteriorate. So I was like, all right, cool. So I chose fighting, which is a funny story because right after this UFC fight, I trained over at SEMA May and Gardena. So right after this SEMA May fight, I'm, I'm going in on a Wednesday night because I teach over there. And this guy is like, hey, man, I, I, you probably don't remember me, but I, you, we fought each other uh, on a, in a Muay Thai smirkle, a smoker over at MTA. And I was like, no shit. He goes, yeah. He goes, I think it was your third fight, and it was my fourth fight. And I was like, oh crap! And it, <laughs> it all came back, and that was the fight that I was thinking, man, I gotta, I'm at a crossroads here. I gotta either go left and start training full time, or I gotta go right and go to school. And I told him that, and he goes, you know what? I was at the same, I was at the same crossroads, but he chose school. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was. I was like, no shit. Now he's got his master's in behavioral science. And you know he's he you know he, he look at the look at the brain on this guy he's a smart guy you know <laughs> so you know like he got his degree he went through the schooling and everything and he still trains you know me I just I pursued fighting full time you know so you know obviously it's taking me here so it's it's it, to me it was very it was interesting to see somebody taking the crossroads he goes man I don't know if you watch superhero movies but it's like where we are each other in different multiverses and I was like. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's funny, man. That's crazy. Um, walk me walk me through the experience of training with Josh Barnett, man. I only hear amazing things about that guy, man. I know he was always uh down like locally where I was at as a kid in, at the La Mirada gym. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I've only heard amazing things about that guy, man. Tell me what it's like to be learning under him. Well, you've been talking to the wrong people if, they, if that's all you heard was amazing things. <laughs> <laughs> it's hell in a handbasket. No, man, I mean, so when I first started training with Josh. He he calls me on the phone because, at, like I said, at this time, my team had broken up because my, my instructor decided that he needed to make money. He wasn't making money training people. He goes, I can't afford this. I got to I got to start. You know, I got to do other things and I can't I can't train you guys anymore. So I'm like, all right. So there I was no team trying to fight, but I didn't know where to go because he was all I knew as far as fighting. And at that time, I had five amateur mma fights and i didn't know where to go so before right before that josh barnett had held a seminar for us you know well it was a friend of a friend but it was basically for this little fight team so he was like oh yeah so he just taught me a few things right so i remember saying oh shit that's josh barnett i want to try to do everything and learn as much as i can as much as i can well i'm at home and josh calls me on my cell phone and he goes hey um what are you doing Monday? I was like, uh, nothing. He goes, get to see MMA. I mean, get to CSW. I was like, hey man, I ain't got a job. I ain't got, you know, I can't pay. I can't pay gym dues. He goes, that's not what I said. I said, get your ass to CSW and I'll see you there on Monday. I said, shit, all right. So I made it happen. I got my ass over there. And then he walks in and he goes, hey, you have a pro fight in about three weeks. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? And like, I remember I just lost my last amateur fight. You know, I was like, shit, what the hell? I'm not good enough for pro. And he goes, no, shut up. And then he dips out to Europe. 
And so I don't see him for a couple weeks, and then I see him the I see him the day of the fight. Oh shit! Yeah, and then he was all right. You ready to beat this dude's ass? I was like, oh yeah. And I ended up winning by a by a rear strangle in the second. And um, come to find out, the guy I fought had over fifty pro Muay Thai fights at the time. Oh shit! Yeah, and I was like, oh, and that what was funny is I almost got triangled by the guy at the end of the first, <laughs> but I got out of it. You know, so I was like, shit. But I didn't know then that what he was doing you know he was basically putting me through um a hazing you know not not necessarily a physical hazing where he's gonna just beat beat the hell out of me because of course he's a big old guy with more experience but he was trying to see what i was willing to do in order to make it you know and there i was and doing everything he said he was hey you need to you need to do this and i was at this time i had solidified myself at csw and he goes, that's garbage. I was doing ever any technique I would do that he he would question me. He goes, that's garbage. And I'm in my smart ass. Why? Why is that shit? <laughs> he goes, that wouldn't work on anybody. That wouldn't work on anybody who with half a brain. I was like, what would you do? And he would show me. And I would just practice that move after after practice. I would drill it during practice. I would try to hit it, and then eventually the move became mine. He goes, and then it moved on to other moves, and then it moved on to other moves. And then he would sign me up for grappling tournaments, or he would tell me, go sign up for this, go sign up for that, get this, do this, do this. And I was like, okay, so I would do everything. Later on, it wasn't until one of my teammates asked me, hey, how come Josh is like taking a liking to you? And, and how do I get in with Josh like that? And I was like, I just saw him, listen, man, like, honestly, like, I just did whatever he told me to do. You know, I questioned it. Like, I, I asked him why, and why would you do this versus this, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, I just did it. And it didn't click with me that, you know, when you're at that stage, you know, of, of fighting and you've, you've reached the, the highest of highs, you've done a bunch of things. Yeah, you don't really realize how much you hear. I think I could do that. I, I think I could do that. You know, that's when it comes to fighting. You know, I think I could do that. I know I could do that. You hear that from a lot of people. But then you have you. You start saying, okay, you can do it, do this, do that, do this. And you'll be surprised how many people crack by just not doing it. I mean, I, I heard a story about, okay, Josh was telling me, he told this one guy, get a passport so we can take you overseas. And he's like, no, I can't do that because I, you know, I'm, I'm not officially a part of this country. You know, I need to do this, do this. And it's like, well, make that happen then, you know, start making it work. And, you know, like when you're, uh, when you're an illegal citizen, you know, it is a long process that you got to go through. You know, my dad did it, you know, he had to go and it was like seven, 10 years of, of him paying and waiting and paying and waiting and green card and paying and waiting. And it's, it's, it's a process, you know, it is a truly, it is a hard process, but you know, Filipinos do it. Mexicans do it. You know, people do it, you know, but there's other people that decide, no, fuck that. I'm just going to bleed the system, you know, and that's, I mean, I understand their, their, their reprehension to do it, but at the same time, well, dude, like you're putting yourself in a bad spot, you know? Right. But right. Um, yeah. So of course, you know, I hear things like that, or I hear Josh say, find, uh, you need to find your, find time to lift. Oh, I can't because, you know, I got work and then I got practice and then I got my girl, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I hear those things and I'm like, man, wouldn't it be shitty? At the end of your life, at the end of your fighting career, the reason why you say you can't, how you doing, sir? The reason why you can't 
the reason why you didn't achieve your greatness is because, oh, my girl at the time. Or, oh, I would have been five minutes late to work. Like, I know I would, I know, I know I would feel like ass if my UFC career was stopped because, oh, I had to walk the dog. Right. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> weird, like you, you put that into perspective of your, uh, of, of the, the level of excuse. And it's like, how many people wouldn't have been like, fuck that. I'll be five minutes late to work. They're going to replace me anyways. Yeah, dude. And you know, it's refreshing to hear that too, man, because I, I can get that vibe from you from all your interviews that you've done from the post fight interviews and everything like that. I mean, and uh, I relate to that a lot, dude. I mean, I've had a lot of people tell me like, uh, you're, you're, you're an idiot for calling in sick today, you know, for this yeah. interview. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, we got dogs barking in the back and shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's nugget. He, uh, he makes sure, he makes sure the house is safe. Good, good, good. Everyone needs a dog like that. That's for sure. But, um, no, man, I've had the same thing. We're like, bro, I don't know if you should do that, man. And I'm like, I want it. I want this shit, man. And I, it's not even like a question in my head. I'll do what it takes. And I'm willing to take a punch, you know, to gain a, to get a big gain. And it's and anything you're passionate about, it doesn't doesn't even matter what the fuck it is. Um, but I remember you mentioning that on your on one of your videos. I saw it was like a little highlight of your life. You're like, you know, this is what I want to do. I don't want to work a nine to five, you know. And this is what I'm passionate about, man. And uh, I think that's great, man. I think that's huge. Why do you think it was a uh, so late to the MMA world to find out about Victor Henry, man, because it's almost like the UFC debut needed to happen for everyone to realize how fucking great you are, man. Because I went back and looked, I'm like, this guy's you're well documented. You know, a lot of your fights are well documented. Um, you know, there's a lot of bio on you on YouTube and whatnot, man. Like, uh, what, how come uh, so late to the UFC jump? You know, you know what that those you know some things are just out of my hands. You know, and I you know I realized that you know like hey, you know you can't. You can't really harbor on that. You know, like, I even before the UFC, it's like, bro, when are you going to get in the UFC? When are you going to get in the UFC? When are you going to get in the UFC? And it's like, bro, like, is there, like, a paper where I could just sign up? Because I would, <laughs> you know, because I would. But it's it's one of those things where, it's, you know, there is a lot of politics involved in fighting. And that's not really, it's not really a, a cool thing. You know, it is what it is. But, you know, hey, there's a light. There it is. I didn't know there was a light there. Um, right. Oh, right here. Yeah. Hey, look at us. Good. We're good. We're good. Hey, I didn't want them to see my ugly face, but now here we are. <laughs> <laughs> we but, were um, doing just fine. They had to ruin it with yeah. the light. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, you know, like there's, you know, I was getting those, I was getting those questions. When do we get into the UFC? And it's like, bro, like I don't know. If, if there's just like a paper I could sign, then that'd be sweet, but. There isn't, you know, at a certain point, you know, especially when you're in the beginning of your career, if you look promising, of course, the U.S. I mean, the UFC is a money marketing. I mean, it's a it's a money machine. It's going to make a lot of money. OK, um, if you're an early talent and they sign you up like a Sean O'Malley, you know, they, they 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 see value in that because your body is young, your record is young and they can they can build you up. They can advertise you. They can do all sorts of, you know, they can make money off, you know, even though fighting, if fighting is an entertainment sport first, UFC has to make money, you know, and here I am 20, you know, I was 26 fights in so far. It's like, okay, well, we can't just bring him in because, you know, he's got a shelf life because I am, I'm going to be 35 this year. You know, we can't just bring him in and put him against anybody because what if he wins? And all of a sudden, he's a he's a, he's a big thing. Um, 
you know, they, they put me against Tony Barcelos. And of course, on every MMA media outlet, except for maybe a couple people, they were like, I don't know, you know, Victor Henry's got a lot of, he's got a lot of um, experience. He's crafty. He's this, but basically everybody was giving it to Tony Barcelos. Why? Because he's been in the UFC longer. He's, he's fought, what, tougher talent. I mean, they gave, they gave, they gave the gambit of why. And here I am thinking, well, I fought some pretty badass motherfuckers across the country. You know, well, not across the country, across the across the world. And let's be honest, a lot of the organizations that I fought for outside of the uh, outside of the UFC, their testing policies aren't as strict. You know, right. And so not only am I finding some bad motherfuckers, but I'm also some I'm also finding some bad motherfuckers who are clearly tossing. But it is what it is. You know, like it's almost like fighting in the wild, wild west. You know, but you know, and here I am attached to Josh Barnett, and of course everybody. I have to make sure I'm twice as clean because everybody's going to assume the worst. You know, but you know, I've I've never done that, and it's and in fact, I would be mad that if I did and I didn't get any of the physique because anytime I do my weigh-ins, I look like a skinny old string bean, and the guy next to me is all jacked and everything. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, um, so. You know, eventually, like, just to circle back to your question, um, it took a while because it wasn't just the right time. You know, there was lessons I needed to learn in order to, in order to make the most out of this UFC run. You know, I can't, you can't, I mean, it's better to go in there with some sort of clout and start running once you hit the floor rather than getting in there and then okay well now i could start training like i mean it I'm like, no i always tell i always tell a bunch of people like they say oh my goal is to get to the ufc i'm like you're setting your you're setting your uh you're setting your goals really low not that the ufc is easy to get into because obviously it ain't but what are you gonna do when you get there all of a sudden oh i'm here what is does the work stop do you stop and breathe and all of a sudden start trying to train like you mean it now right like, no you know, I mean, one of my coaches, Chad George, makes this joke all the time where it's like somebody did something, like you're in a fight and somebody does this, something disrespectful to you. And now you go in there. Oh, I'm really going to punch you in the face. Like you were trying to do that in the beginning, idiot. <laughs> you know, so, you know, once you get in the UFC, it's not that's not the point. The point is to become the champion. The point is to sell out pay-per-views. The point is to sell out venues. What are you doing towards that? You know, and. You know, having a personality and having developing or well, developing a personality is certainly one of them. But you know, being something that people want to watch is something that a lot of people don't have. I mean, look at uh, John Fitch. I mean, yeah, Fitch. What's his name? John Fitch. Yeah, John Fitch. Yeah, 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 John Fitch. Great fighter. Won most of his fights in the UFC. But why'd they cut him? Because he wasn't entertaining to watch. Yeah, people thought he was boring, yeah. Yeah, people, he wasn't entertaining to watch. And then you have guys like uh, who went on a long losing streak, like Clay Guida. Clay Guida, they, he's still employed by the UFC. Why? Even though he went on that long losing streak, but he's entertaining to watch. People want to see him fight. Right. They want to see that little caveman get in there. <laughs> you know, and, you know, so there's no there's no rhyme or reason. There's just, okay, UFC, you have to remember, UFC fighting is an entertainment sport. UFC is a company that has to make money. But if you are not entertaining and you're not you're not going to bring in uh, you're not going to bring asses to the seats, 
And why are they going to get you? Just because they're nice? No. Because they need they need to sell out. They need to, you know, they want to make money. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I, I, they for sure misjudge you on that because you are entertaining as it gets as a fighter and as a person, man. Like, um, just before I even get to your fighting, man, I, I thought your post interview was was proof of that. I mean, I, that's something that I think people um, don't dwell on as much, and I think they should because some people really fumble that opportunity. Some people either get um, maybe they get a little bit too crazy and they say some stupid shit. Maybe they either uh, get too nervous or maybe they, they're they're not even talking into the mic, and that's kind of cringy too. But you seem to just be just yourself. And the first thing you said was thanking or uh, saying RP to some of your friends uh, past you know, past ones, which I thought was great. And then, um, giving respect to Joe Rogan, man. Um, that to me in itself was you being yourself, you know, and being humble. And you, and not only that, when the fight was over, you shook the other fighters hand, you went up and you shook the other team's hand, man. I, to me, that's huge, man. I, every it's, it's not like you're doing it so you can gain fans. I know you're not doing that. You're just being yourself, but that is the end result because people see that and they're like that motherfucker, he's squared away, man. And he has balls and he's fighting and he really respects the sport of martial arts. Um, that being said, your fight in the ring was phenomenal, man. Walk me through the experience with that, man. Cause like you said, this guy was a top 15, top 10 guy in the Bantamweight division and you're coming in at 34 years old and it was a unanimous decision. You did fucking great. Yeah, man. I mean, I'll tell you what, within every fight in every organization, there's always one constant. There's always one thing that's the same, no matter what. And that is that the person standing across from you is going to try to punch your nose through your asshole. <laughs> that's the only thing that's the, that's, that's the, that's the exact same, you know, everything else is always changing, you know, and whether it be the size of the cage, are you fighting in a cage or a ring? Are you fighting in an octagon? Or are you fighting in a pentagon or, you know, it just, everything always changes. Gambling, uh, gambling, uh, odds, size of crowd the venue all anything you can think about about fights everything always changes so i always i always keep, try to keep my mind on the one thing that is going to be the the constant which is somebody's across from you you're going to try to fuck you up so that's the one i that's what i focused on you know i mean i knew going into it and just from other, just from watching other fights, you know, you would, you would hear uh, DC or you heard Joe Rogan or Michael Bisping saying, you know, oh, maybe he got the UFC jitters. You know, he's not, he's not, he's not working like he, like usually like he did in the LFA or like he did in some other organization because the UFC got to him, not necessarily the opponent because um, he trained for weeks or months for this fight, but the UFC jitters, you know, for me, I was thinking, why am I even thinking about any of that? I got this guy trying to sock me in the freaking face. And <laughs> the guy, Hanny Barcelos, 50% of his wins come by TKO or KO. And has fought at bigger weight classes than I have. You know, so he's fought at 145 before. So he's officer, obviously a bigger dude, stronger, and a bigger puncher. So what do I do? You know, do I let the UFC get to me? And then all of a sudden now I got some dude who's going to bash my brains in with his fists? Or do I focus on this fight? Really try to implement my game plan, and uh, and and carry it out to the best of my ability. Because of course I'm going to choose, you know, the latter. You know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to choose trying to whoop this this dude's ass. You know, so you know I think the UFC did a really good job of treating me right as a fighter. You know, they made sure that I was on the schedule, press at this time. You know, we got to do your your you know your 
your um, your outfit this time and everything was everything was uh, was very smooth i didn't have to be like running around i fought for an organization before where they didn't tell me what time weigh-ins were where weigh-ins were they didn't announce when i was supposed to walk out they didn't say hey you're the next fight so stage up they didn't do any of that and i was like well shit and all of a sudden i'm running out there cold you know so i've had that before <laughs> but ufc was on top of it and then of course walking out you know you kind of you hear all the people, your skin starts to tingle and everything, and you have to just zone in. Just keep it, okay, there's the cage. In about four minutes now, me and these two are going to be swinging on each other. So come to the fight, I knew that if I stood right in front of him, it was going to be bad for me because he's going to just be a big puncher. But if I stood too far from him, it's going to look like I'm running from him the entire time, and I'm not going to have the 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 base or the power in order to deliver a good strike i'm not trying to point fight him i'm trying to i'm trying to put my fist in his face so what i had to do stand just enough in front of him to where he feels like he can hit me but just far enough to where he's gonna miss or anything that he does throw is gonna glance off so that's what i did i stood in the pocket with him and i tried to move and slip and hit him in between and when it when a shot did come in and it hit me clean you know take some steam off of it off of it by rolling with it so the more I did that, the more he felt like I'm gonna hit him harder, harder, harder. He's right there. So that's what he did. Boom, boom, trying to throw those big punches. And eventually, I mean, there's some there's some clips out there where I slipped three of his punches and I hit in, hit him in between each one. Slip, hit, slip, hit, slip, hit. You know, over three rounds of that, I didn't even notice his. I didn't honestly. I thought I was bleeding at the end of the first because I looked down at my knee and there was blood and the doctor was pressing something on my nose. And I was like, Oh, I guess I'm cut, but whatever. They didn't stop the fight. So let's keep going. And then come out. But in the middle of the second round, I kind of look up at his eyes real quick and I saw his nose all busted open. I was like, damn, I guess, I guess what I'm doing is working. So just keep on that, keep on that jazz. And, you know, of course, getting the win was awesome. You know, paying respects. And well, something that I thought was really cool was that, Pedro Hizzo, of course, was another UFC legend, was in was in my opponent, was Hawney's corner. And um, I thought it was cool that Pedro Hizzo and Josh fought before. And now here their students are fighting. Maybe someday down the line, years down, when I when I'm done and retired, our students will fight each other. And it's like just a legacy of just keep it to, to, to just keep it going. Yeah, some uh, Cobra Kai Miyagi Do shit right there, man. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, Your man. crane style is no match for my tiger style. <laughs> Absolutely, no man. I I couldn't agree more with your assessment of, of your fights too, man. You're you're very uh observed about your fights, man. You're very open, which I think is smart because you were very quick and out of the pocket, like like a boxer almost. It was it was phenomenal to watch. It's almost it reminded me a lot of like how uh like very Filipino style of boxing. Like I see Pacquiao do it. There's one right now for the featherweight championship. Uh, Mark McSile. He has the same very in and out. It's beautiful where you can slip and counter really quick. Um, and I thought that was fantastic, man, because it's 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 so hard to do. Footwork is the hardest thing in, in, in any and mark in mixed martial arts completely. It's so hard to just be able to move and still be in a in a good spot to still strike and not be cut off your footwork. And I, I think you did an amazing job. And I think honestly, like you being at 34 years old and all this experience you have before it is a huge plus too. Like, yeah, it took a while to, to get here, but it's it's paying off. Like I think you are way more experienced than anybody you're fighting around in a, in a great way, and I think all these fighters are are fucking worried about you, man. And I would be too. Like for to look that good in your UFC debut, and with like you said, your shelf life, 
they know that too. And then you recognizing that is huge because you're like, dude, I'm, I'll take any fight and I just beat someone this good. So what's up? What do you have for me now? And someone who's 23, 24, 25, like, why would I want to risk my career for someone, you know, unless they, unless they're about this life, unless they're about the game, then they'll take it. But, um, tell me about that, man. What's next for, uh, for Victor Henry, man. I know the whole UFC world's buzzing about him and we're excited to see what's next for you, dude. You know, I, I, I mean, like you said, I'm pretty much open to anybody, you know, um, you know, we can, we can, you know, it's funny. There's a funny story about that, but I'll answer that after this. Um, I don't know what direction the UFC wants to go with me. You know, um, obviously they gave me somebody who's, you know, who's very good, highly touted in the bantamweight division. So from the UFC's perspective, again, I got to reiterate, they are, they, they need to make money. They can't just give me to somebody who's top 15 or top 10 right away because that wouldn't sell any tickets because relatively when people are going to say like oh why am i going to put this guy against you know for instance if people are saying let's get him against let's get victory against sean o'malley you know that was the that was the thing on twitter but that wouldn't sell any tickets i mean it would sell tickets for sean o'malley of course because everybody wants to see him but as far as everybody's concerned the reality is of the situation is i've only had one fight in ufc you know so what are they going to do I figure they're probably going to put me, they're probably going to match me up linear to my ranking in the UFC. That way I can accumulate some wins. That way they can market me, then put me up against somebody who's top 15. That way they can sell tickets. Maybe they'll make it a, uh, you know, a featured prelim or a co-main on an ESPN card or something like that. I don't really see them putting me on a pay-per-view, pay-per-view yet, but that's what I imagine. Because again, if they build me up, then they can sell a fight versus somebody who's who's a higher ranked. And then once I get that, once I once I have that fight, then they can say, okay, well, Vic still did really well, and we're gonna go this direction. You know, right? If, if they put me up against somebody who's you know who's a top guy right now, that that wouldn't sell tickets. But what I what I do suspect is if I stay in shape, somebody's bound to fall out of something. You know, and I am willing and ready to step up. You know, step up against top 15 guys, top 10 guys. Yeah, let's go. Win, lose, or draw, I'm going to be there. You know, and the entire time I'm going to be in someone's face, you know, trying to punch them. They're going to try to punch me, but hey, I'm going to try to punch them. Absolutely. You know? man. And I'll tell you what, dude, if if the UC doesn't know how to market you, then they, then they got to fire whoever the fuck's in, in marketing. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I mean, you have the backstory. I mean, you're, like you said, you have the short life, you know, like with your 34, you have, you know, coming from like a really tough neighborhood, I heard you got shot. Like, fuck, man, that's mm-hmm. how do you not? That's an easy thing to mark. That's an amazing story. Um, you fought your UFC, UFC debut. You fought someone extremely talented. You're getting trained by Josh Barnett. You got the personality. You're very humble. Like, that's the easiest thing to sell. If you can't sell that shit, then like, what 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 are we trying to sell? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. Um, I was at these fights. Uh, it was a local show, and this guy was fighting above his weight class. He goes, I can't, he's fighting at 145 and he weighed in at 143. And he said, I can't cut weight to 135 because I feel so weak. And I'm just thinking like, you have a day, but you're only cutting eight pounds. And I don't, I don't know what's going on, but his interviews that he was doing was very straight, bland, straightforward. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> you know, he goes, the, the interviewer, interviewer goes, so what kind of training have you done? He goes, I was in the military. And that was it. And he goes, oh, you have any fans or anything coming out to support you? My girlfriend, 
<laughs> and I was just like, oh, man, this is bad. And then sure enough, this guy ends up winning by a flying knee in the second round. He was getting his butt whooped the entire time. He was getting taken down, just getting his butt whooped, but then just throws his flying knee and knocks the other guy out cold. Yeah. And also in the interview, I'm just thinking this is going to be great because now my mind has changed from this is suffering to because I knew he was fighting. The guy he was fighting was a really good wrestler, world team guy, you know, really good. I mean, I'm thinking, he, I'm, of course, I'm thinking this is going to be another three rounds of him just getting his ass whooped. And then sure enough, this guy ends up winning. And now I'm thinking, oh, man, I can't wait for this interview. Hey, who do you like to thank? My girlfriend. What kind of training <laughs> did you do for this fight? I was in the military. And it was just like, oh, man, just now it turned, it went from bad to great, you know. Right. So, but that kind of personality, like, where it's just like, you have to draw attention, you know, to yourself. I'm not willing to draw attention that is not authentically me. You know, it may be negative attention, but at least it'll be me. It may be positive attention, but at least it's me. You know, I, I can't back up what I, what I have nothing, what I know nothing about, you know? So right. you know, having, having that personality thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a funny thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was in the military. Oh geez. This is going to be a long one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they had a little issue with that with Khabib for a while. Cause we're like, okay, we, he, he's performs, but like, fuck dude, like we can't really get much out of him. Like it wasn't yeah. until Connor came along to where Khabib started getting a little angry and we're like, all right, we can sell this shit. You know? We'll yeah. Sell, and we'll and, now, and now, yeah, what's funny is that like, like, like I just said, you know, you, it turns from so bad to all of a sudden it's great because it's bad. It's like a train wreck, but you, you're, you, you're anxious to watch it. And then of course, you know, Khabib over here saying, send location, send location. <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden, everybody's using that on the internet. You know, oh, send send location, send location. But then, yeah, like you said, you know, Khabib eventually starts maturing within his within his own personality and, and his own self without losing sight of what he believes in. You know, of course, he's he's a he's a proud Muslim man and he has his religion. And of course, he want, he 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 has things that he can't say or do or. You know, but he operates well within those parameters, you know. Right. Yeah, I, I think uh, UFC fans have seen the extreme on both ends. We've seen in the beginning, we've seen only boring fighters um, personality-wise. And then, then we've seen people go extremely overboard to sell tickets. It's re it's real, like I said, to reiterate, it's really refreshing now to see someone you can tell is not doing that. It's mm -hmm. just being themselves, but themselves is actually very personable. It's not like, it's not like you're trying to be, that's just who you are. And I think that's huge, man. And I think it's going to be exciting for a lot of us five fans to watch you going forward, man. I, I know I am. I can't wait for your next fight, man. I don't know what it's going to be, but hopefully it's local, man, because I know we're, we're not far from where you live now, man. We're just down the street next to Disneyland. So if there's anything local, we'll definitely be there, brother. Oh, shit. If I, if I knew you used to be in Disneyland, next to Disneyland, I would have brought my dumb ass in. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, man, we're local, man. We're right down the street. We'll we'll do this again, man. Don't worry. After your next W, for damn sure. Man. Right, for sure, for sure. I'm down with that, man. A absolutely, man. Well, um, dude, do me a favor. Tell uh the people like your social media and if you have any like websites or stuff like that or anything mm -hmm. about you, man. Well, uh, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm Victor Henry MMA. Uh, fa uh, Facebook. I mean, of course, Victor Henry. Um, if you go on Facebook, you'll you'll get to see me what I looked like when I was uh about 20 years old. I look nothing like this bearded, ugly dude now. Um. <laughs> So I, I actually, I look a lot like a, uh, like I'd be driving a Subaru out back. If you know what I mean? I look like a lot <laughs> like a lesbian, So, but Hey, you know, <laughs> those are my media outlets. Uh, ain't got no website yet, but I'd like to thank my sponsors, you know, gentlemen's fight club, all purpose meal preps, you know, to speak, Sespe Creek distillery, 
um, fight tech. You know, I'm I'm a guy that I mean I'm a guy that likes guns, fast cars, and fighting. So I don't drink, but that is it is what it is. I work at a bar. You know, <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah. I kept, I, kept, I kept my job even after getting signed. I kept my job. Beautiful man, keep it keep it going, man. I'll tell you what, we're all excited to see you keep going, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hell yeah. Victor Henry, we appreciate you stopping by. This has been Alternate Take. We'll see you guys later. Peace. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Our interview with the UFC Bantamweight, Victor Lamangosta Henry. Thanks for stopping in, Victor. I really appreciate it, dude. And I really can't wait for your next fight, man. It's going to be a fucking hell of a time. Uh, For all of you guys who are now Victor Henry fans, I put his social media in the podcast description. I put all the stuff that you need to know about La Mangosta himself. And uh, like we said, man, can't wait for your next fight. And uh, for all of you guys who are Alternate Take fans, also check out our Instagram at Alternate Take DR, our TikTok at Alternate Take DR, and our new YouTube. Just type in Alternate Take. You'll see us there. And uh, that's it, man. This has been Alternate Take. My name is Daniel Rodriguez, and I'll see you guys later. Peace.